Welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast, where we discuss business solutions to help listeners develop and implement action plans for true lean process improvement. I am your host, Patrick Adams. Hello and welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast. My guest today is Adam Ward. Adam is an experienced executive coach who's helped hundreds of leaders achieve their goals. He's had an uncanny ability to identify root causes that prevent organizational growth and help clients overcome these challenges and obstacles at scale. Adam has a wealth of experience working with executives in various industries. He's worked with CEOs, CFOs, COOs, CMOs, and other senior leaders. He's also fluent in operational excellence, design thinking, agile, and other operational and development methodologies. Uh, Adam is also the an Amazon bestseller, and he's the author of Lean Design in Healthcare and the Healthcare Innovators Workbook. Welcome to the show, Adam. Uh, Patrick, thanks for having me on. Appreciate Absolutely. It. No, I'm, I'm excited to talk. I always love having people on who are working in the healthcare industry because uh, Lean is, obviously, as, as all of our listeners know, Lean can be applied in any industry at any time. Yeah. And it's just really fun for me to see how the healthcare industry is mm -hmm. utilizing the principles, the tools, the techniques, because uh, we do have to be flexible with those. And when we go into the healthcare industry, uh, we're not making widgets. We're dealing with right. human beings. So right. I always love talking to people that who've, who've been in the healthcare industry. Uh, Adam, one of the things that I mentioned when I introduced you was uh, your experience in design thinking and agile, uh, a couple, few other areas, but design thinking specifically, um, I've been involved with a couple teams. We've done uh, some three P's on hospital design and different things. And so I've seen some of those tools applied. I'm just curious from your experience, you know, where does design thinking fit into the healthcare industry? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, and honestly, there's 3P is a very natural application to healthcare spaces. Uh, led a bunch of 3P events, you know, surgical suites, clinics, hospital floors. Uh, very, uh, very natural place to insert that. Design thinking, where I've spent the bulk of my time, is developing new care models. Mm -hmm. So how do we take design thinking? How do we take highly trained uh, very self-sufficient, you know, doctors, physicians, advanced practitioners, and get them to reimagine how care can be delivered. Mm -hmm. And so when, when I'm working with clients on design thinking, it's, you know, design thinking is one, one of the tools that I like to, you know, like to jump into is how are we best delivering for the patient? Mm -hmm. It's, it's such an important uh, uh, piece. I remember uh, one of the things that, that we did was we actually laid someone on a, uh, on a, on a, uh, a bed and we were wheeling them through the hallways. And I remember they were saying that, you know, the lights are just killing my eyes. Like it's uh -huh. so bright. And, you know, so again, to, to your point, the, the, ex the patient experience is so key, so important, and listening to them and understanding, you know, what they're feeling and what they're experiencing, is such an important piece of, you know, designing not not just the facility but the experience itself of, you know, when they're when they're yeah, in and I'll, I'll never forget this one time this physician told me we were running rapid experiments, we designed a new thing, we were enlisting her patients to 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 run through this whole day we had set aside, mm -hmm. and we got the patient in there and she's like, I hey, look, I know the patient. I've been her physician for 20 years. I know what she's thinking. And I'm like, just let's just go through the experiment. So afterwards we're debriefing on the day. 
and we mentioned this one patient's name. And she goes, who are you talking about? And we're like, the blah, blah, blah. And she goes, who's that? And then we read the formal name. She goes, I didn't even know she went by a nickname. Oh, wow. She had a preferred name that she'd rather go by. So you can be working with someone for so long and you can be treating them for so long, but you can miss some of the basics. And and patients really, I mean, there's a obviously segmentation of a bunch of different patient types, but sure. they trust the doctor and they want to follow the doctor and they become a little different when they're in the healthcare situation. And you you have to observe, you have to stick them on the table and roll them down the hallway, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get stuff out. So, well, yeah. and, and being, uh, you know, being intentional to take the time to get to know your patients. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I know I'm talking to uh, our listeners out there who are not all in the healthcare industry, uh, but, you know, Put, put whatever you want into the, the term patient, right? Your employees, your uh, your peers, your customer, uh, get to know them, understand what, what makes them tick, what's important to them, what's, you know, the, what, again, what their experience is with you and, and, you know, whatever value it is that you're providing to them. Uh, I mean, that's such an important piece of what we do as lean practitioners. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I was trained as an engineer and I designed cars for a dozen years. And I, I, and then at, at some point I said, I want to understand why I'm designing what I'm designing. Mm. And so I went back and got my graduate degree focused on market, market research. And that became my beginning of my journey to try to understand what the customer wants. And, and I'll tell clients today, still, I'm like the best, the best a patient or a customer or a client or a supplier can tell you is 50% of what they want. You have to observe the other 50% and offer the technical solution because you're the expert. So even just observing isn't enough like and asking isn't enough. You have to combine those two together. That's where the best results come out. And we see some amazing wins when that happens. So true. So true. Well, Adam, I want to uh, I want to change gears just a little sure. bit here. Um, you've led transformations for uh, over 17 years across 17 different <laughs> industries. So yeah. you have a lot of experience uh, and obviously working, you know, at the C-suite uh, with with senior leaders at organizations brings a whole nother uh, side of, of uh, you know, just learning that that I would love to, to hear from you on a couple of things. Uh, you know, just at a higher level, what what are your thoughts on the state of lean today? You know, maybe it's in the healthcare industry, maybe it's global, uh, globally across all industries. Um, I guess just throw out some general thoughts on, you know, what you think the state of lean is today. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I, I'm not going to comment specifically on manufacturing because I, I think, what you know, a lot of manufacturing people have a pretty good understanding. But let's talk about the industries that aren't traditional lean. So this could be financial services. This could be education. This could be healthcare. This could be software. Mm-hmm. Um, so in general, now we've had lean practitioners, you know, those trained by, you know, directly from the Japanese operating as consultants for 20 you know, plus years now, you've got a bunch of them are, are retired, the George Koenigsakers, you know, uh, you know, who brought it to and J- Jake Brake and Danaher, and, you know, some of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. But today, when I go places, everybody has done lean, mm-hmm. right? So healthcare is done lean because what Theta Care did and um, what they did out in the Pacific Northwest with Joan Wellman and, you know, some of these others. And so, you know, you go to software companies like, no, we're agile. Uh, you know, we, we don't need lean here. And so there's 
a pervasive state of exposure to lean. And it kind of reminds me of the news that happened just this week or maybe last week with design thinking and IDO and IDO laying some people off and people saying design thinking's dead. In general, the people who say they've done lean aren't doing lean. Mm -hmm. They've gotten some green belt, they've run a Kaizen, but their operations are a disaster. And you walk in and it's 15 seconds. I mean, you don't even have, you can tell them, hey, I can save you 10 million right off the bat. Like it's it's easy to tell you don't have it in your operations, but a lot of people think they've they've all they're done it and they're they've already reaped everything from it. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's so true. Uh, so many organizations that we work with, uh, when I hear that, like, oh yeah, we already did that stuff. It didn't work for us or whatever, like. They just are completely missing the 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 reality of what true continuous improvement is all about. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's always funny to me, uh, you know, similar similar to you. Do you think that? So I, I know the answer to this, and I know your answer to this, but I want our listeners to hear. Do you think that lean is is still relevant today in uh, in the industries that you? <laughs> That's a great question because uh, so three years ago I spoke at a conference and the title of my speech was Lean is Dead. Of course I didn't mean that, um, but I, I, Lean is more relevant now than it has ever ever been. And if 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 you're not doing it, if you're a startup, okay, maybe you can kind of get away because you've got some unique value proposition, or if you've got a really cool product that doesn't, ha- you know, there's not really a competitor that exists. Lean's probably you'd not have to benefit from it. You can, mm-hmm. but for the rest of the world, if you're not doing lean, you're leaving money on the table for investors. You're leaving good stuff on the table for, um, for your customers. And and we you know we have this whole like DEI push right now. And I can't imagine lean without diversity. Like I, you can't. You have to pull a diverse group of people mm-hmm. together to find a unique solution. The executives don't know the answer. And whenever I sit down with them and tell them what their line level people said, they're shocked. They're like, they told you that? So yes, lean is more relevant, I think, than it's ever been. And I think it's 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 we still have a tremendous amount of growth um, and GDP that can be created uh, and increased from the application of it. Yeah, so true. Uh, and, and, you know, it sounds like you obviously stay very uh, relevant with uh, the, the trends and, and understand where things are going in, in industry. Uh, obviously, you know, over the last few years, there were a lot of struggles with, uh, you know, especially in manufacturing with the supply, some of the supply chain issues and different yeah. things like that. Um, I think a lot of that is is changing and, and the, well, the whole world is changing. But uh, I mean, where do you go to to stay to stay current with uh, <laughs> lean trends? Do you is it LinkedIn? Is it podcasts? I mean, where, where do you go? How do you know what, what's going on in the world? And what would your advice be to, to those that are listening in on how to stay current with, with uh, lean trends? Yes. And so a podcast are our major source. And I mean, you run an excellent podcast. I'm not saying that just because you're, you're on here. Mark Rabin runs an excellent one. I mean, but I like to follow, you know, and you've had, I think pretty sure you've had these guests on like Katie Anderson and Karen Martin uh, Baba Miliani, you know, some of the, some of these people that are, you know, out and talking. I also coach the MBOE, uh, students at Ohio state. Um, so that graduate program I'm involved every year, uh, and that, you know, I get to see, you know, all new industries every year related to that. But I, on LinkedIn, I have two favorite groups. I've got my subject matter experts, and then I've got the old school people that people argue against. And I learn a lot from the comments under some silly statements. Sure. And then uh, I think 
honestly, the the guy I'm probably listening to the most now is Chris Cooper out of the UK. Okay. Um, I think he's probably the most underrated lean resource in the world right now. Mm. Um, and uh, so, but. I, so LinkedIn and podcasts are my two primary ones, but on LinkedIn, I'll go after the negative comments just as hard as I will the positive comments. Well, yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I, I have a tendency sometime to, sometimes to drum up some of those, uh, and some of it is intentional <laughs> because, and yes. not, not to, not to uh, you know, upset anybody or anything like that, but realistically, sometimes uh, the best learning comes when two people uh, don't agree on something and to Absolutely. have that conversation. Uh, and I, I don't see any better place than right in the public where people can can learn from it. And you know, I'll be the first one to admit that, you know, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm always learning and and I'm not I don't have all of the right answers all the time. And sometimes I put stuff out there that is wrong. And, you know, again, it's I'm completely open to hearing the negative feedback or the you know, the comments about that being wrong. I mean, that's, again, that's how we all learn. So yeah, uh, I think I'm, I'm with you. I love, love uh, hearing that, you know, obviously sometimes it gets a little bit too far and then it's like, okay, you know, what, what are you trying to, to prove here? You know, right, right. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, so that's great. Uh, and so Chris Cooper, you said out of the UK, uh, anyone else specifically that um, comes to mind that, that you, you follow in that post? I mean, I really like Karen's stuff. I think Karen Martin puts out some really great content. Um, yeah. I mean, gosh, there's a bunch, but those are probably two that I, you know, that I look at, uh, yeah. you know, a lot for, for thought leadership. I have a bunch of subject matter experts too, that I get to debate um, and just in, my career and in my life. And that probably strengthens me, you know, Dr. John Toussaint and I have spent years debating topics in, in, in healthcare. And it's just really allowed me to develop my methodologies, hone his methodologies. Mm -hmm. And uh, so those, those are not public forums, but it really helps me um, become sharper. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I will say uh, Mike Rother is now on LinkedIn as of a couple weeks ago. So welcome to LinkedIn, Mike. <laughs> uh, so if you haven't connected with Mike yet, uh, for all of you that are listening out there, uh, make sure you go out and find his LinkedIn page. Uh, so yeah. Um, hey, let's let's talk about some of your past experiences. Again, mm -hmm. you know, it's always great to talk with someone who you know has a direct connection at the C-suite, has done work in transformations. And again, not I know you're you're heavy in uh, healthcare, but you've worked in many other industries mm -hmm. and spend your time, you know, uh, working with organizations, uh, you know, at, in other industries. But uh, what would you say, you know, across your all your time with these these different organizations, what would you say, you know, are some common mistakes that you see with transformations? Yeah, I mean, that's a fantastic question. And actually, this year, uh, for 2024, I'll be on the speaking circuit talking about this a lot because I see so many times simple mistakes being made that if we can just countermeasure them, that we're going to get a lot of traction. So, Obviously, number one, leadership. If they're not bought in, you're not going to get it. And that doesn't have to be the CEO, but mm -hmm. it needs to be the highest level at autonomy. So if there's, you know, if it's a GM of the plant, if it's the a department manager that kind of has freedom to do what he or she wants, that leader has to be bought in. That's that's table stakes. But some of the stuff I think the I think the one of the biggest ones that I see today is that 
leaders expect people under them to just go do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, they don't have it tied to a key strategy. They don't want to touch it themselves. They don't want to learn it themselves. They just kind of shove it out there. And then, and then I'm going to pick on my lean practitioner friends for a while, that for a little bit, that we try to force tools in on the situation. And, you know, hey, let's get leadership standard work. Let's run huddle boards. Let's do 5S. Let's, you know, value stream map and Kaizen event. And, and we're not actually painting the picture of why we need to be doing this. Mm. Or, I mean, when you walk into the CFO's office, you better be showing some benefits. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter healthcare, whatever. If we don't have money, we can't do our mission. Right. So, you know, if you're not dedicating enough staff, if you're assuming technology is going to fix it, if you allow antibodies to stay on, um, if you're not measuring improvement, those are all very simple mistakes when it comes to transformation mm-hmm. that you're, you're just, you're going to fail. And, uh, but yeah, those are, those are several of the ones that I see. Sure, sure. Now you mentioned uh, technology. You know, any, any anything specifically that you've seen uh, companies applying from a technology standpoint that you think is, uh, you know, something that companies should look at or leaders should look at as, you know, maybe a best practice or, um, you know, one that's being missed that maybe should be looked at. So the biggest mistake is not understanding the workflow of the technology. Mm. So there's CIOs have enjoyed a tremendous acceleration in power the last 10, 15 years. Not the most emotionally intelligent, um, not the most business savvy, definitely the most technical. And they've learned the words to to share why they want to get something, whether they're following a word like generative AI, whether it's cybersecurity, and they found a way to buy things and and then vendors know that. I was at general, I was at GE Healthcare. We knew what to say when we walked in. So I think the most important thing that we can do when we're leading lean is how's this going to impact the workflow? Because it should be creating value. We shouldn't be adding waste to the system. We should be pulling it out. And very, very rarely do I see uh, an analysis post that goes in that says, yeah, we got this done. So like just launching an ERP because everyone else is or buying Epic because everyone else is. You know, those are those are mistakes or or jumping on a bandwagon and just not understanding how it's going to impact your customers just because you want to use the term, I, I think, is probably where I see the most mistakes. But the companies that are thoughtful about it, that understand their customers, that know where they're coming from, they go and search out technologies instead of having them come find them. Those mm. are really the big winners. Yeah, no, that's good advice for sure. Uh, and it, it obviously it depends on the the size of the organization and yep. the location. And uh, but definitely to to you know to even to your earlier point around um, keeping an eye on on lean trends. I mean, technology is changing so quickly, and if you're if you don't have someone focused on uh, looking for best practices or watching the direction of of the changes that are happening, I mean, I. I think that's a miss too. You know, just not. not I mean, a- if you're not using AI extensively, you've missed. Right. I mean, right. you're oh, you're sure. throwing tons of money away, and not all of everything out there that's good, but there's a lot out there that. I mean, that's just, it's no brainer stuff to get in, and some of you probably even using it through your vendors, and you don't even know it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, and and there there has to be. I just put an article out a, a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week, uh, just around the the importance of uh, also you know paying attention to the the 
the manual side of things when it, yeah. you know, they, it, obviously technology is important and we want to utilize technology and stay with current with the trends and be, you know, up to date on, and on our, uh, on our technology, but also I don't want to lose the, the, the power that there is in our mind, in, in human minds and human, you know, uh, emotions and thoughts and, and ideas. And so there has to be a, uh, you know, a, um, a partnership between the two, you know, and I, I think that that's also important too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, I, I'll use Bard or ChatGPT or whatever to compose an email or a blog post, but if I just process that through, it's junk, um, you know, because there has to be some creative edge to it. There needs to be, you know, my viewpoint, my energy behind it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then this is just simple text stuff, right? You know, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, other things that you can you can use AI for, but man, if if you're not enhancing it as a human, then you're missing out a lot. Yeah, so true, so true. So uh, I think about my listener base, and mm -hmm. I know that I have a large number of people that are you know in their 40s and 50s listening, mm -hmm. uh, but I also have a a large base of younger lean practitioners that are just getting into uh, their careers coming out of college, whatever it may be. And, um, you know, just starting to, to get involved with a company and, you know, maybe they're in healthcare, maybe they're in manufacturing. Um, and, and I'd love to, uh, increase that number because I yeah. want more young people to understand the yeah. power of lean and continuous mm -hmm. improvement. Um, so if you were speaking to, you know, a group of, of younger lean practitioners, uh, what would be one piece of advice that you would give them? <laughs> Don't use the word lean. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's that's good. But, and and I think because the forty somethings in the the Gen Xers mm -hmm. are gonna say we've done that, mm. or I had I tried it. I think they would be more impactful if they snuck the tools in, getting the bosses what they wanted the target, you know, the the KPIs that the bosses are out, and then if they ask them what they do, they say, "Well, I found the standard work form." You know, or I, I I did this process flow chart um, and I found, you know, waste here, here and here. I, I think it'd be easier for them to gain traction. Now, if they're in an organization that already has a lean culture, then you need to dive in hardcore, you know, uh, get get certified, have meaningful projects, but show actual results. You know, like Six Sigma, if you're doing the DMAIC process, make sure your control is, is it's control. It, we don't want it bouncing back up, you know. I, whenever I run a Kaizen event or, you know, do value stream app, I want to main, I want to watch that metric for months, not weeks, not days, but for months to make sure that, it, that we actually address the root cause. So mm -hmm. the younger guys, I would say maybe hide it, but learn the tools and apply it really well. Um, you'll know better if you're getting traction with your boss, um, if he likes the word lean or if he doesn't, but the principles work period. Yes. Uh, that's yeah. so true, Adam, and, and such good advice. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll stand behind that. I worked with an organization. I think I've talked about this before, but um, they struggled with uh, lean terms, terminology, because of some past issues that they had yeah. with external consultants or whatever it might have been. Um, and, you know, I had this uh, this internal uh, uh, manager who kept wanting to use uh, tack time as a, oh. <laughs> and, you know, I kept kind of coaching him on, you know, do we, do we really want to use that word? Because, you know, tact is generally associated with lean 
And uh, we know that we have some struggles or some issues with that. Uh, and, you know, I, I, so I suggested instead of using the word tack time, the words tack time, let's use, um, you know, customer demand rate. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did. And, and that resonated really well with the group. And, you know, so you have to know your, your, your customer, you have to know yeah. who you're working with and understand, you know, and, and tweak, be flexible, tweak. Yeah. I mean, did, what did, uh, did they have less value? by calling it a customer demand rate, <laughs> it, we right. had the same outcome, right? So, right. but what I did was I met them where they were at, knowing yeah. where they were at. And, and so you're gonna be able to move a lot quicker and, and have much more, get much more traction if you know and are willing to adjust, you know, for, for your, your clients. So absolutely stories of, you know, where you've had to uh, make an adjustment or, or, you know, be, be willing to be flexible with the tools, uh, with any clients that you've worked with. Oh my goodness. So, well, I, I think the Japanese terms in general in healthcare aren't well accepted. Mm -hmm. Um, so I try not to use them at all unless they've been introduced to it. And then if I find a misapplication, so let's just say five S or six S or some places, I think they're up to seven or eight now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Okay, let's just use the term organized. And and as a lean as a lean fundamentalist, I know that's not what it is. Mm -hmm. But let's let's just call it that, okay? And um so, you know, whether it's say we're going to run an improvement event instead of a kaizen or we're going to get breakthrough results in you know a couple of days. Um you know, so I hey, some places I'll go and I'll just tell them, "Hey, let's just call cucumber. We'll work with cucumber." You guys will generate a phrase during this week that I'm here and we're going to stick with that phrase. Yeah. And then so the, I'll just go in and, and wait to hear what they to hear how they describe it. Like when I'm doing reflections and then I'll post the notes, what you learn, what went well, what didn't. Those things are brilliant to pull into terms. You know, you can say, OK, we're going to call it this. And if you want to go research, if you want to go look at the literature, then this is what the term they use. They call it. But. I mean, I'm extremely, extremely flexible, and I know a lot of my colleagues like want to hang me for that, but it's the same tool. I'm just, I'm just calling it something else. Right. Oh, absolutely. No, that, that's that's good. Um, yeah, I think I'm in complete agreement with you. I, I think that we have to be willing to to be flexible with the terms, and um, you know, sometimes organizations have their own. Uh, language, their own acronyms yeah. and their own language that they use. And, you know, working with at the C-suiter with executive leaders, uh, the first step is really finding out what's important to them. What, what, what are they trying to achieve? And then, you know, try to use their, whether it's, you know, the, their language or their uh, whatever it is that they want to achieve, try to fit that in somehow. But uh, I mean, that ultimately, that's what we're that's what we're trying to do is get them to buy into it and, and then, you know, move ahead. So whatever you have to do, uh, as long as you're improving, you know, yeah. that that's what, that's I mean, so for instance, I'm at Mayo Clinic right now. One of that, that's one of my clients and, and they have a very rich heritage, um, and they have something called rich ties and those are their key values that they want to spouse. Well, if I'm going to bring in Shingu Jitsu values, Right. They're going to say, well, we have these rich ties. So I'm just going to look at the alignment between the between the, you know, between the different values. And I'm going to use their terms. Right. And, and they 
and they just bought in way faster that way. Absolutely. That's a great example for sure. And, and, uh, again, you can try to push the, the other side, but it's going to create confusion. It's just it's, slow. slow. Things are going to be slower. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's such great advice for sure. Uh, so let's go the other direction, Adam. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, what if we were talking to the older generation mm -hmm. or, you know, I don't know, maybe it is, uh, you know, some some younger lean practitioners. But um, what about lean practitioners that have been doing this for a while and they they feel stuck like they've they've uh, hit a wall They're They're not getting the support that they were getting before. Or maybe it's something individually that they are just having a hard time moving, moving ahead on things. How do they how do you what would your suggestions be around getting momentum for someone like that? Yeah, I, I see a lot of this among my fellow Gen Xers. I mean, there's some maybe older millennials that are, you know, suffer from this. But I see a lot of my Gen X um, colleagues going through the same thing and they're very knowledgeable on the tools um, but and they're comfortable in their role they've been in their job for a, a while and I, I think they've they've lost a voice of authority amongst their peers they're not communicating at the executive level and it's kind of pigeonholed them off to the side so the most drastic move and and a lot of times this is not because they're like well i'm going to retire in 10 or 15 years is just switch just switch roles get get into an operational role get you know switch switch companies okay let's say that's not viable okay if you want to do it start from the basics you're going to have to do grassroots you're going to have to run some projects that get the attention of the executives in that division in that area and once you do that they're going to want to know how and why so i mean look i'm an outsider i come in Sometimes companies embrace me. Sometimes they don't for two years before they say, hey, you're, you know, you're, you're one of us now. But every single time I can find out what they want in an hour conversation. Mm. And if I can apply the tools from that conversation. So, you know, Gen X or, uh, or whoever feel like they're getting stuck, talk to a leader, find out what metric is driving them nuts that they're having this day up with. And it may not be a lean metric and then create a project or a set of improvement deliverables that can impact that and you're going to get transit you're going to get traction immediately mm -hmm. you just are and or go to a conference and get excited by someone again yeah um you know there's there's people and you know we can use the youth out there that are, are you know get excited about stuff but people that are passionate about you know things you know it's it's fun to be on others that inspire you and it's easy to say we've been to all the conferences, I've read all the books, I've seen all the people, but just you know, just to hit like a mini restart. Call it your mid mid career crisis. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so true though. Uh, I mean, I I love going to conferences for that exact reason. It's you know, obviously, I'm always looking to learn. I'm a, a lifelong learner. I'm always looking to learn, uh, and, and but also the excitement of being around people that are moving in the same direction as I am, and you know, speak the same language and get excited about the same things. I mean, there's there's a uh, there's a lot of uh, really great uh, lean geeks out there. We have a big tribe. We have <laughs> you a surround very yourself big with other lean geeks. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of fun, so it's 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 definitely a good thing <laughs> for sure. Um, so yeah, that's great. Um, just uh, kind of bringing this full circle back around. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we I mentioned earlier that you have an Amazon best-selling book. 
Mm -hmm. uh, specifically uh, uh, talking about design in healthcare and mm -hmm. then also the Healthcare Innovators book. Um, tell us a little bit about that book. What, what was the motivation behind it? And you know, who are you, who are you looking to reach? What's the purpose behind it? Um, just fill us in on that. Yeah, so I left uh, industry in 2006 and uh, my boss at my consulting firm said, apply all of this to healthcare. And I said, no, it won't work. And he kept bugging me, apply this to healthcare, apply the development process to healthcare. And so he kept pounding. And I started running experiments across the U.S. with different health systems. We got a couple and we got one or two that worked out really well and said, OK, now if we were to make that a process to provide systemic innovation. Now I'm defining innovation as, you know, obsoleting a product or service and having it replaced with an, in a new one. So in, in healthcare's case, care models. There were, at the time of me writing that book, only two examples of systemic innovation that wasn't technology related in the United States. Very low amount, Cleveland Clinic was one of them. Uh, I can't remember who the other one was off the top of my head. So I wrote that book with the sole purpose of healthcare companies saying, if we want to do systemic innovation, if we want to create new care models, if we want to be able to go with value-based care, if we want to go with population health, if we want to be able to adopt, if we want to be able to survive our supply chain disruptions um, you know, during pandemics, this is the process. I wrote it as an allegory, and then I have an accompaniment workbook that goes with it, basically all the exercises to do that, so that companies can say, okay, we get it. This is how we should do systemic innovation within healthcare delivery. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Love it. That's great. Uh, and and obviously, um, you know, the, the for the healthcare industry, um, do you think, are there anyone specifically in the healthcare industry, any specific roles or people that would benefit from this or just anyone that's has any position in the healthcare industry? Yeah. Th so this is a very tough, um, you know, we, we incorporated this in the catalysis framework um, you know, through our debates with uh, Dr. Tucson. And uh, so that's in, Catalysis has it built into to their framework now. Um, it's very tough for people to adopt, especially right now because healthcare has just been decimated um, mm -hmm. by the pandemic, the, you know, the cost going up, everything. But if, if someone were to want it, I usually find it in a couple of places, chief medical officer because there's something that they knew that they want to try. Actually, the um, COO you would think would be excellent kind of doesn't necessarily want it because when it comes push to shove, they're going to care more about what the hospital is doing that day than what the hospital or lack of a hospital is going to do tomorrow. Mm. Um, chief nurse, nursing officer is a good one. CFO, always a great, you know, great place to start. But I've found the most traction between probably like doctor nurse practitioner area like that's those people get it they want to do it sure. um and that that's where i see the most uh build medically home uh if you go look up medically home um absolute brilliant story it was uh we started work with atrius doing care for elderly fantastic physician dr pippa uh eliza shulman and then she ended up leaving Atrius and joining Medically Home, and they've just blown up across the U.S. Amazing example of applying these principles. Mm, love it. Love it. Good examples. Uh, so if someone wanted to 
uh, find your book. Uh, I'm guessing it's on Amazon. Oh, yeah, you can check it out on Amazon or Rutledge. Yeah, it's it's there. Okay, so just uh, search Lean Design in Healthcare. Uh, should pop right up, Adam Ward. Uh, mm-hmm. What we'll also do is we'll we'll drop a link in the show notes for for the book if you're interested to go out and grab that. Uh, Adam, what, how would people get a hold of you if they're interested to connect or have questions outside of the book? Yeah, that, no, that's a great question, and and I want to make sure that it is written Lean Design in Healthcare, but the publishers asked me to create Lean Design and Manufacturing, Lean Design and Software. Eighty-five percent of the principles in there are going to work. Mm. Um, and so if you're like, I'm hearing healthcare, but I'm turned off, just get the book. It's a fun, easy, short read, yeah. um, to get, if you want to get a hold of me, innovation, Adam on LinkedIn is probably the easiest. I do have a website, adammward.com, uh, mainly for, for speaking engagements. You can also, um, you know, get a hold of me there, but LinkedIn, I'm the most responsive, but you can also go through my website as well. Perfect. Well, we'll, we'll put all those links in the show notes. So if anyone is interested to reach out, you'll be able to get the link there. Adam, it's been great to have you on. Uh, great conversations. Love your your thoughts on, on lean trends, the state of lean today, uh, lean being relevant. Uh, but obviously, you know, um, the, the work that you've done across the different industries that you've worked in, just appreciate your work and appreciate you being on the show. Uh, and we'll have to do this again at some point. Oh, man, thank you so much. Anytime you've, you've been an excellent host. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Adam. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Lean Solutions Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please give us a review. Thank you so much.